Welcome to the One Track Mind Podcast. I'm John Miller, and this episode is brought to you by Socket Roll, the ultimate in portable socket storage. The Socket Roll is a patented, durable, fluid-resistant, portable socket storage solution that keeps your sockets organized and accessible. It's great for the home garage, workshop, at the track, or even on the boat. It's available online at socketroll.com. Go check them out. The product was designed and developed in California, and they're a small business supporting this upstart podcast, and the product is really high quality. I've got one in my garage. Not that I'm in any way qualified to use the tools that are inside of it, but it does keep things neat, organized, and accessible. And looking like you know what you're doing is half the battle, right? In this episode, my guest is automotive content creator and Rolex Daytona historian, Brian Max. I call him a journalist, but I think he actually took offense to that word. Brian is one of the few guys out there putting out car reviews and video content who actually has a racing pedigree and the skill behind the wheel to back up what he talks about. He's basically the Canadian version of Chris Harris. We spent some time talking about his process of creating content and how he approaches the business side of automotive media uh, and the way that that's changing. Brian and I talked about a series that he's working on at the moment, comparing the road version and the factory built race car version of the same car. While he was here, he was actually wrapping up some filming in a 2018 BMW M4 to compare it against the BMW M4 GT4 that he drove at VIR a few weeks prior. We also spent the last part of the episode talking about Brian's upcoming book, the yet-to-be-titled collection of stories and photos of the greatest trophy in racing, the Rolex Daytona Chronograph, awarded to winners of the Daytona 24-hour race. This is going to be one of the most interesting and fascinating publications for anyone interested in watches or motorsports. Some of the stories and information that he's uncovered had me speechless. Brian is now undoubtedly the leading authority in the world on this specific timepiece, and his book will be filled with unseen photos and untold stories of the drivers and their watches. Based on the little bit that Brian talked about on the air and a little bit more that he told me off the air, I can't wait to get my hands on the book and read all about it. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. If you're an Apple user, leave us a five-star rating and a quick review on iTunes. It helps us grow our audience. Follow us on Instagram for photos of guests and show previews at One Track Mind Show. And enjoy the episode. Thanks for stopping by and giving this a shot. It's still very much a, an experiment. Oh, for sure. The the, the uh, episodes I listened to were fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah good, good subjects there. What have you? Who have you listened to so far? Uh, the first three. Oh, you listened to all of them. Oh, oh fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, you know, obviously, uh, over the years, I've uh, other than other than David, obviously, I knew your uh, I met your first two subjects. Yeah, David. So if David's listening to this. Uh, your episode's lagging behind, bud. Uh, the downloads on the other two guys are like through the roof. But for some reason, David Telenius, not the uh, not the household name, despite I think he's I think he's got some of the most interesting stories. I mean, his career and, and the stuff that he talked about is well, uh, fascinating to th- me. This is the thing. I had no idea. I mean, I'd seen the name. I've never met him. Yeah, he's and a local guy near here. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd never heard a story before and, uh, you know, had an idea of what he'd done in the past, but I had no idea his, his career is that deep and that broad. Yep. Yeah. He, he's done it all and, and won and continues to, to do really well. So. Yeah. No kidding. So well, well, welcome again. Thanks for, for coming by and, and doing this. Um, I always think I'm going to screw up your last name, Brian Max. Yeah. Is that the right way? That's the, that's the easiest way to say it. 
Okay. Yeah, when I when I travel to a certain part of the world, uh, they pronounce it properly, but uh, otherwise, like what MAX is, is fine. What is properly? Uh, it's Muksha. Muksha. Yeah, there's uh, my grandfather lost the accent on the S when he immigrated to Canada. From where? Uh, at the time, it was Austria. Where he was born was Austria, and the borders moved, of course, uh, after the war. Sure. And my family traces their heritage to Slovenia. Okay. Part of the former Yugoslavia. Okay. So but, we'll, uh, we'll go with Brian Max then. Yeah, let's do that. It's <laughs> way easier. So when I, when, I, when I go to parts of Austria, obviously Slovenia, I was in Croatia recently, they pronounce it properly. It's wild. Copy that. Yeah. Probably the only place in the world. That's absolutely true. Other than right here, right now, Brian Muksha <laughs> sure. or Max for <laughs> for all of us gringos. That's right. As my wife would say. <laughs> uh, all right. So Brian Max, automotive journalist, race car driver, all around badass guy. Um, you know what? Uh, what brings you to Orange County, my, my neck of the woods, this time? Uh, well, my uh, my family's been here since before I was born, so it's a great home base for me when I'm out here. And what uh, what California offers me as my in my career as an automotive content creator, content I creator. That's... I wouldn't call myself a journalist because there's very few very few occasions where I put my journalist hat on and get serious about it. It's you know it's more about entertainment, and and uh, I think. I think that what I, what I try to do is bring a different perspective because most of my colleagues aren't racing drivers; they're not accomplished drivers, and they you know they don't have the training that I do. And I've you know been fairly serious about it for 25 years. So what I try to do is bring that experience as a driver and and deal with the fundamentals properly, deal with seating position properly, deal with visibility properly, and then get into dynamics. Uh, and for the most part, cars these days are pretty well resolved. Although one car I tested last week was a gong show dynamically. Uh, but that's, a, that's <laughs> another story. Not naming any names? Well, no, it's a yeah. Tesla Model 3. And, ah, okay. And, and, you know, that car needs another two years worth of development in every way. Sure. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, but it's still not fully resolved. And, and Where you, is it? I mean, you know, I, I've driven the S and the X. I haven't, I've seen a lot of the threes around here in Southern California. It's kind of home base for, mm-hmm. for that brand. And, and uh, there's plenty of them running around. But I, yeah. I haven't been in a three yet. Where, I mean, it, where does it just feel like it rushed to market? Like it just wasn't ready? Fit and finish stuff? or so the, for the, You know, the, everybody talks about the panel gaps. But, you know, who cares? I don't think it's that important to, to, to you know, focus on panel, panel gaps. One of the, one of the quick takeaways I got from the car is, let's say, You've got a Model Three, and and I w- I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anyone to avoid it. But um, here's here's a great example. You come home, you you need a charge. You pull in the garage, you plug in your your uh, your charge cord, and the flap that covers the charge port is now sitting up. If you then open the trunk lid, you're going to snap that charge port cover off. Hmm. So Just poorly thought out. It's it's it wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, and you know the same thing goes with um, you know you can you can just you, you can tell no one's really spent any time with suspension calibrations, and ah. you know for for you so, know yeah that actually go back and listen to David's episode if you want to hear about yeah you know, tuning on suspension and and you know I think David mentioned specifically Tesla trying to do it um, trying to do all that kind of work without bringing in suspension engineers to do it, kind of plugging in the numbers into an, uh, an algorithm or a, an equation and mm-hmm. saying, meh, good enough, send it. Yep. 
But yeah, and, okay. and, and that's, interesting. And that's what they did. And, and, you know, Tesla doesn't have the resources. Like Porsche's got the, the, the mission E coming and, and right. lots of companies have, uh, electrics. Like I, I like the, uh, the BMW i3, for example, and it's pretty well resolved, but it's not a, you know, of course, Tesla pretends that the Model 3 is a bit of a sports sedan, and it's not quite there yet because brake pedal feel is still a gong show. You get no feel from the steering, although you get variable um, levels of power assist depending on the on the setting you choose. But you get no feel uh, from the steering wheel, no feel from the pedal, of course, and you're just left with trying to feel what's going on. And you know, if you're if you're a visually dominant driver like I am, I don't. It doesn't really matter. But sure. you, you just get no, you get no enjoyment out of driving a car. Hmm. Well, that, I mean, that kind of speaks to the greater issue at hand here, which is now cars are kind of appliances. Um, the, the way that that I guess my parents, my you know, I'd always thought of cars growing up because I didn't, didn't grow up in a car family. Um, oh, or, no or, kidding. Or a racing family. I mean, I, I was just exposed to it through TV and, and friends and, you know, the the um, kind of the greater car culture kind of always, it captivated me as a, as a little kid. And so, you know, my dad always drove pickup trucks. My mom drove, you know, Suburbans. We were, it was a kid hauler for me and my brother. I mean, um, and so, you know, the, the, I guess the argument or the thing that you hear people talk about nowadays is kids, 15, 16 year old kids aren't like rushing to get their license to, to be the first one on the block to be able to drive a car because this thought of driving is why would I want to drive anymore? And that that's becoming prevalent with, with the next generation apparently. And that's a scary thought. It's, it's not apparently I have one of those at home who's 20 and, and doesn't still hasn't driven on the road. How? It, uh, Just, well, okay, so that so we, that's got to come. But you, so you live, you're in California now. But you, let's clarify, you yes, live in Canada I most live, of the time. Yeah, I'm I'm in Canada most of the time. All right. uh, downtown Toronto. Toronto. So, okay, so yeah. a city that maybe you don't need a car to get around. No, and we're right in the middle of the city. It's not even we're we're in the suburbs. Like we're in the middle of the city, and um, you know where we are currently, it's even more convenient for him to take public transit. And it's it's not bad. I don't rely on it. If I have to get to a meeting, I will not take public transit. I want to make sure that I get there on time sure. but with my son and his friends i think you know if he's got a group of a dozen pals that that we've met that come over to the house one out of that dozen actually drives the rest do not it's it, terrifying <laughs> it really is <laughs> i don't know how to process that information i know and and you know obviously he's been exposed to cars his entire life yeah uh, you know when um it, you know when when he was uh let me think he would have been maybe eight I started getting back into racing uh, seriously. So while, you know, while he from the time he was born until you know maybe he was eight, I was dabbling in and whatever. But um, you know, instructing and doing all kinds of other things, and then got serious. So you know, in his formative years, he sees you know dad doing cool things, and certainly an eight-year-old perceives it to be cool. Now, twenty-year-old does not He's think got his own he, his own ideas about everything. Yeah, probably. that that is, that is not cool. Um, <laughs> right. Except when he when he you know he gets to ride in a Lamborghini or something like that, then he, then it's a cool thing. Sure. But um, no, he he uh, he's never been interested in in uh, cars or you know even even just I mean the 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 what I really enjoy is is simply driving that you know just I yeah. like this I like the speed I like the G's I like all that stuff and that's really yeah. well, that's being really connected to a machine and yeah. and kind of making it do what you want yeah. yeah and he's not into that at all. So wow. it's, and, and, okay. you know, it, it's partly a function of him growing up in a, in a big city and Toronto is, 
you know, Toronto proper is four million, and Greater Toronto with the suburb, like the big suburbs, is six and a half million. So yeah. it's a big, it's a big city, and he can sure. get around anywhere quite easily. Sure, but but I, I guess the the thought that that young kids are not clamoring to get their license. I mean, f- you know, f- for me when I was fifteen, sixteen, I, that's all I wanted. And and I didn't yeah. grow up in a car family, and and I grew up in a fairly small town where I, you know, all my friends were older mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I mean, I just I always generally hung out with an older crowd, so all my buddies had cars and had transportation. So it, I didn't, you know, and my parents were able to drive me around. I mean, it wasn't like I lacked for a way to get around. Right. And yet still, I, I could not wait. I mean, I, you know, my mom was teaching me to drive stick in the neighborhood at 14. Right. You know, we were taking the babysitter's car around the block and I was stalling it, you know, every which way to Sunday and, and loving every second of it. Maybe, you know, maybe in hindsight, I was loving every second of it. But in the moment, it was probably pretty terrifying for my mom. Oh, I'm um, sure. I'm but, sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, and, and, and now, and I've, I've driven the Teslas with the autopilot feature and, yep. and it's really impressive technology. And, and mm-hmm. I can see, I, I can see that there's certainly a place for that kind of, kind of a thing in society and, and, and in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thought that, that people have lost interest in, in the act and the, the joy of the love of of driving it, it it hurts me inside well i i don't think i you know i don't think it's it's on mass because you know i deal with uh i deal with my audience i engage with my audience and and whether that's through social media or youtube channel or or whatever it is i'm dealing with a younger demographic and they're just as passionate as we were when yeah. uh we were their age yeah well that yeah i mean my, my son is is two and you know let me look around that my office that we're, we're in right now yes. I mean, i've got car stuff everywhere and you know he's got a, a little ferrari um, uh, power wheels that he drives around the neighborhood. I mean, he's, yep. he's two and I can already tell he, he loves cars and I'm totally screwed. So I, I yep. think, yeah, it's certainly, um, your environment plays, plays a role for sure. Yeah, but, it, uh, it sure does. But so, so talk about kind of your audience and, and where you put up content. And, you know, you, you said, you just said you, uh, were in a model three mm-hmm. recently, you know, what's, what's your process of creating content? Like, how do you put it out? What is the, what is a content creator? What is that like? Uh, so I, I think our primary focus is is our YouTube channel. So uh, we've been on a little bit of a break for for a bunch of reasons, and and we can talk about that because that's fun stuff. But uh, is that changes in YouTube in the way I, that's operating, or you know, when we started, it looked like it was it was uh, um, um, a reasonable way to to drive some revenue, and it's no longer the case today. So it's these days it's strictly a vanity play. Really? Yeah. What, what's changed in that regard? Uh, the YouTube model. So uh, the YouTube model to a certain degree, but also the, the, the you know, we, we like doing the kind of content that we do, which is basically, you know, um, beautifully filmed stuff, either, you know, stuff with great content where I'm evaluating a, pro- or a, a product properly, or we shoot these beautiful stuff, especially when we're, you know, in, in beautiful places like Southern California. You know, it's uh, the, the, the scenery makes it. And we don't have that in Toronto. So we, we take advantage of, of certain locations and shoot beautiful stuff. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like a number of people say they, it's Top Gear on no budget. 
and sure. and we, we that, but that's got to be a lot of fun to make. But it, it's not easy to do it's, that. It's not easy at all. It's it's ridiculously time consuming. Who knows how much we've spent on production equipment and and how much time we've actually dedicated to this. But what we've got is a uh, a body of work of probably a dozen really really good short films, and then um, a couple hundred. Uh, very reasonable car reviews or stories or whatever the case is on the YouTube channel, and uh, you know we just we just enjoy making. What is the YouTube channel? While you're, while you're talking about, it, you might as well plug it. While yeah, you're exactly. Here. Come so, on. Yeah, it's it's actually my name, which is you know my mistake. I'm not as uh, not as smart as other people, and we just didn't brand didn't it. Brand we, it yeah. we we just started throwing content there because I had the channel existing, and I'd thrown a couple of videos there, and then we just started filling it there, and we made the mistake of of not branding it. So it's just my name. And, uh, um, yeah, we should have, we should have branded it a long time ago, but we, we passed that point of no return a long time ago. Sure. Copy mm-hmm. that. And, yeah. and so the, and that, that's been, you know, YouTube has been your main, that that's our primary focus. And, um, I write for, um, some publications in Canada, uh, as well as international publications, uh, on occasion. And that's, uh, that's for the fun stuff that they don't get access to on other continents. So it's all the uh, a big yeah. high performance American stuff, which is a lot of fun. So in this day and age of being a, an automotive journalist slash content creator, I mean, right. you kind of, it, to do what you do and to be successful at it, you have to kind of wear all the hats. I mean, you, you write, you film, you host, you're in front of the camera, behind the camera. Do you, I mean, are you editing? Are you, are you doing, you know, pretty much every step of the way, um, hands on in one, one sense or another? Oh, for sure. So, okay. uh, so one of the things, one of the things I'm working on right now, uh, as you know, is, is a series of road car versus factory built race car. Uh, comparison pieces. So um, one of the things I'm doing while I'm here in Southern California is driving the road car version of 2018 M4, because I've already driven the uh, M4 GT4. And uh, I will not only, you know, write the script, I'll write multiple editorial pieces. Uh, I'll, I've done most of the filming already. I'm just finishing up. Uh, I'll probably l- have someone lend a hand so I can shoot some beautiful car to car with the, uh, with the road car. And then uh, as far as the video goes, I'll edit everything. And I've learned enough through my partner, Nick Besedo, who's probably, you know, he is one of the best motorsport photographers, although he works for Multimatic these days. Ah, which what does is he do what, for Multimatic? He does all of their visual creative, whether it's ah, okay. uh, uh, design work, photography, or video. Uh, he does all of their visual creative. So, uh, for example, uh, if you're listening and you're on your computer, Google uh, the DSSV damper on the uh, D- Colorado. DSSV? DSSV oh, okay. oh, yeah. damper on the Chevrolet Colorado. ZR, ZR, sorry, ZR1? No, that's the Corvette. Z, that's Z, the Corvette. ZR2. ZR2. Actually, that's another another uh, sidebar. But my audience is is obviously um, made up of a bunch of vocal Americans, and they've beaten the Z out of me. So, <laughs> well, so it's a it's kind of a funny correlation. I was just at Spring Mountain for about two weeks working a, a Colorado yes. ZR2 um, program for all the Chevy dealers um, nationally and internationally, and, and yeah. we had a bunch of people come through. You know, all the managers and and dealer principals and and top salespeople came through to to drive the truck off-road and we had set this whole course up for them to really show off the, the DSSV dampers. And so, so I, good. I know a little yeah. bit about what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know, I, I got, I got there and the first thing I saw was this 
pretty badass, you know, lifted kind of mini Raptor looking right. truck. And it was the first time I'd seen one and driven one. And, and I kind of peeked my head under the, uh, the wheel well and was like multi-matic, you know, branded on the shock right there. And, and I gotta tell you, I was mm-hmm. pretty impressed with that little truck. Oh, it's, it's, I, you know, the dampers really make the truck. They, they really do. But what I was getting to with Nick as you know, he, he, does much of the visual stuff on our YouTube channel, and he's a fantastic motorsport photographer. But what he does at Multimatic is all their visual creative. Small world, right? Small world. Yes. So, so yeah. what what would you you know for the aspiring you know next generation of, of automotive journalists or content creators or whatever the the name may be for what what sure. you do is, mm-hmm. I mean, what what would you say is kind of your your best piece of advice, or what would you what would you say to the next you know the the young Brian Max? Um, you know, doing what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Stick to your real job. <laughs> Stay in school. Uh, yeah. Huh? Well, yeah. there's that, you know, which I've done a couple of times. But now, you know, I think, you know, the, I mean, we, we do this and I do it because I love it. I, I love, I, you know what? I love it here. In California. In California. <laughs> because when I'm here, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to have an awesome car waiting for me at the, at the airport to pick up, which I, I did earlier today. So I'm driving this new M4 and it's awesome. And then uh, in a couple of days, I've got a Lamborghini being delivered. And it doesn't suck. It, life does not suck when I'm here in Southern California. So yeah. um, it, it, these days, what, what, first of all, uh, a couple pieces of, of advice. One is what plays on YouTube is that vlogger style stuff. And, you know, that daily vlogging thing. So less production value. L- much less production value um, and f- high frequency um, pieces. Pump, pump out the content. Just get it out. And, you know, I, I don't have time for that. I can't do it. It's, it's impossible for me. I've got other things to do. It's, the, you know, what, yeah. uh, what... Is the reason that that stuff's become more popular on YouTube, is that, does that go back to what you were alluding to with this kind of paradigm shift uh, with the YouTube model? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, the the audience is expecting this. And and one of the things that that daily vlogging style type of content does is creates a a deeper relationship with the viewer. And I I think that's part of it, Um, although I don't enjoy any of that. Type of content. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, at at all, and yeah. you know, maybe maybe it's you know because we're we're of a different age, but you know, I know that that's what's playing on on YouTube, and that's that's really right. what's growing. And you know, good for those guys that are doing. It. I'm not yeah. interested, and I don't have the time. I want to produce beautiful content that I'm going to be proud of. Right. And and the same goes for Nick. And 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 I I would be remiss if I didn't mention Russell, who does all our sound and all our music. All the music that's on our channel is proprietary for our channel. Oh, that's for, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my wife, who's a professional musician, I mean, I know all about, uh, or I know a little bit about um, that world and, and right. the, the business side of, of the music world. And golly, that might be the only, only thing more screwed up than the racing industry. Oh, that that's for sure. No, I think I think it may be more screwed up right now <laughs> yeah. than the racing world. The race, I mean, I think we, we, you, you and I, and, and everybody else in, in in the racing world have an understanding of how to navigate the racing world. Sure. But the music business, man, that's scary. Uh, yeah, it's, it, and that's another one that seems to be ever changing. You know, based on the the day or the you know the whatever star is uh, or whatever top celebrity is pumping or or boycotting whatever the streaming service that week. That's right. I mean, it's you know, I, I, like I said, I, I hear tangents of it from from my wife and, and some yeah. of the work she's done, and it just seems um, 
I, I did an episode with her actually that'll probably come out uh, around the same time as, as yours will in the next couple of weeks. And she talks a little bit about that. And it, it's just mind bending to me that the stuff that, that people go through. And, and I think that's part of the reason why she and I kind of understand each other. Cause the, the, the things that we do in our professions are so wildly, um, you know, uh, unconventional mm-hmm. and, and difficult to wrap your head around. Yeah. Uh, you you got to have a certain kind of personality to, to deal with it and, and to, yep. to want to be involved. Yeah. I can't, you know, I think, uh, for, for, for racing drivers and, and I'm, you know, I'm by no means full time or by no means professional, but I spend a lot of my time playing with cars or driving race cars or whatever. And, and when I am racing, I'm very dedicated to it. So I, I think for, for racing drivers to have, uh, to sustain a marriage, you ha- you, you got to be married to a special woman, that's yeah. for sure, or vice versa. Uh, you, you've got to have a really supportive partner. There's there's no question. And, yeah. and uh, you know, my wife does like a she has a very unconventional career, and you know, she gets it as well. And and uh, uh, I think I think that's a that's a tough thing for a lot of racers to uh, to sustain is is that kind of relationship for sure, especially especially with all the travel. But- yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've got a pretty awesome lady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, go, go listen to her episode too, because she's actually one of the first non-motorsports, non-automotive people I'm. I'm. Uh, I've talked to and, and put an episode out with, um, and I, I will continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gives some interesting perspective on on how she grew up in the the music industry and the steps that she took to to get where she is as a you know a, a lifelong professional singer. I mean, she started working at 11 years old. So, um, but she's, she tells some interesting stories. So wow. yeah, if you're, wow. if you're listening to this and you're curious about, um, a similar type of mentality, uh, go, go, uh, listen to Denise Stephanie's episode. Um, I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of hearing some of her stories as well. But so I want to, I want to go back to something you had just started to bring up mm-hmm. the, the GT four versus, um, road car version yeah. of, of the project you're working on mm-hmm. now. Get, get a little more into that. So I, I've, you know, I've been sitting on this idea for a little while. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in a, in, you know, to be, to be quite fair, uh, in North America, I'm one of a handful of members of the media who are qualified to drive these things, uh, and not wreck them, you know, can be entrusted with driving someone's two, $300,000 race car. And I'm not going to wreck it. Uh, I'm not, you know, uh, so, you know, the, and where we are, in professional motor racing in North America, and and you know perhaps to an extent globally, is we've got all these amazing cars that are being produced effectively by the factory, at least being sold uh, through factory channels. And um, you know I had this idea of driving the road car version versus the race car version. And uh, the uh, the first uh, story I've done is on uh, one of your sister cars, the uh, the ST Racing. Uh, M4 GT4. Right. And yeah. uh, you were there at uh, VAR a few at, weeks ago when we were VAR. testing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, so what were your impressions on on the GT4 car? Was that the first GT4 car you'd driven? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the first fast thing I've driven in in a in a long time. But I'd I'd raced um, Vipers at uh, VAR. Ah, so okay. you know, I I did yeah. a, I did a little tune up on it on a, a simulator. Re- a refresher and then yeah. yeah. But you know, I think I think uh, I've got to look at um, I've got to look at my lap times. I didn't pull any data from the car, but I've got lap times from the the video that I ran. I think I was quicker in that M4 GT4 than I was in a Viper on Michelin slicks and lots of aero. Yeah, the, well, I, I would believe that mm-hmm. the, the the progression of how fast 
these cars have gotten and how, mm -hmm. you know, relatively um, stable and confidence inspiring they are to drive. And that's the thing. This this car had, you know, for, from the limited versus amount a, of time. Versus a Viper, for example. Versus, yeah, the Vi that Viper had, you know, real vices. And, uh, you know, it, it was something else. And, it, you know, it's it was a nice way of putting it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, for, you know, for me, it, it, it's, for me, it took a full day to get my head wrapped around uh, the Viper. And I was racing a Honda Civic at the time, you know, consistently. That it was, was basically the same car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no, 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 no adjustment really needed. No there. problem Just, yeah. going from 160 horsepower to 640. Right. Front not, wheel versus rear all. wheel. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's just four <laughs> tires and a steering wheel. Come on. Um, so you know, it, it took a it took a while to wrap my head around that. Now, in the in the seven years since then, I've driven a ton of stuff in a ton of different places, and and I've probably never been faster as a driver or or more well rounded as a driver. So. What I found with the M4 GT4 is that it is just massively approachable, and it's it's clearly focused on driver comfort. But um, in terms of inspiring confidence to the, the 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 type of driver that the GT4 category is targeted at, which is which is you know somebody my age who's you know made some money and wants to go racing, it's a brilliant cat. It's yeah. a brilliant just formula. Well, there's, I mean, there's not really a mystery to, to me why it's caught on so well. I mean, the, the cost is, you know, it's not cheap, quote unquote, cheap no. to, to go racing anything these days, but no. the amount of performance, um, that you get and the, the driving experience, uh, that you get in, in driving these new GT4 cars, um, that, that like you said, are, you know, uh, again, quote air quotes built by the factory and, and yes. you know, most of them are, but there's some intricacies that, that we can maybe talk about there a little bit. Oh, sure. Too. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's no secret that Multimatic builds the, the Mustangs. Right. Right. So, um, you know, factory partner, I mean, they, they build, yes. the, build the Ford GT, very capable, oh, um, yeah. top level motorsports company, but not technically mm -hmm. the Ford factory. No, but as, you know, as close as you're going to get as in terms of them being a supplier. Right. And, right. and, uh, and that, that's how a lot of these relationships um, uh, you know, like, like Honda, for example, has a relationship with, uh, Yas, the, this Italian builder, they build the NSX GT3, they build mm -hmm. the, the Civic TCR car, mm -hmm. um, not technically the factory. They're an Italian race team who has, um, years and years of race car building, uh, manufacturing, uh, background. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, when you buy a car from HPD or buy a Mustang from Ford, yes, it's coming from a, a partner who has the experience and the, the expertise to, to put it all together to make the product, you know, something that you, you, you want turnkey and that's what they're producing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and to me, you know, as, as someone who loves cars, um, you know, I, as, as a racing driver, I don't care what I drive, but as someone who loves cars, I love the idea of you know, there's a, there's a Mustang GT4 and there's this M4 GT4 and there's a McLaren version and there's an AMG and what am I missing? Um, a bunch of things I'm sure. Yeah. yeah but the, you know, yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's all the other, like the Genetas and the sins and the, the kind of the, yes, the, yeah, yeah. the, the non road car. Right. But um, you know, these is as, as the accessible. Yeah. 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 The, the Audi as well. Uh, but these as accessible road cars, you know, you know, there's a, there's a race car version of it. And, you know, based on my little taste so far of the M4 GT4, like it, it's such an easy car to drive. Just, you know, just yep. great feedback. And, you know, I got, I, you know, my, my first session in it, I was doing some of my, you know, I was for whatever reason I was in Honda mode or, or, or micro mode and I'm, you know, back in front wheel drive uh, mode and I was doing a couple of things and the car instantly told me, no, you're doing the wrong stuff. The feedback was 
crystal clear, unequivocal, you're doing the wrong stuff, you know, give your head a shake and and get back to work. And uh, I think that's that's a huge benefit to to, uh, particularly that car. It's so easy to drive. But I mean, I hadn't driven anything that that quick in a while. I can't imagine you going wheel to wheel in that thing. I mean, that's it's pretty the, bitching. That's got to be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, to talk about again, the, the popularity and, and these things are, are great to drive, but they're great to race as well. I mean, the, you know, so I'm racing the number 36 ST racing, the sister car, the one you drove, mm-hmm. uh, BMW M4 GT4. And I'm headed out tomorrow morning to, uh, to Lime Rock for our, our next race weekend. Um, and, and we've got like 36, 35 or 36 cars entered in the, the GTS Sprint X round at, f- at Lime Rock. It's going to fill Lime Rock. At Lime Rock, it's going to be Oh, I can't wait to busy. watch this. It's going to be busy. Yeah, we've got two races uh, on, we're race, both races on Monday. Monday. On Memorial Day. Okay, that's good. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna find uh, I'm gonna find some place with the internet and a, and a power plug so yeah, I can I can watch the pull off the road in your uh, in your M4 and uh, <laughs> find a coffee shop and <laughs> that's exactly and post it. up and watch us. Well, actually, that day I'll be driving the Lamborghini. Oh, but, you know, pardon me. You know, pardon. It's me. horrible when yeah. I'm here in California. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, th- sorry. Thirty? How many? Uh, I was looking at the entry list earlier. It's it's thirty five ish cars. <sighs> I mean, it was thirty eight cars at uh, at VIR, mm-hmm. um, and and they. It's just awesome, and it just it, like I said, it goes to show how popular this format is, mm-hmm. and the fact that look, there are lots of people out there um, that could be racing anywhere. Could be racing Ferraris, could be, re- sure. be racing prototypes. Could be. I mean, there, there's no shortage of things to race. Oh, that's days. for sure. That's for sure. Um, and so when you look at a, a format like uh, GT4 or even TCR, which is mm-hmm. the, the same type of concept of factory built turnkey race car that actually turns pretty close to the same lap times. As GT4 cars in most places, but just does it very differently. Right. Um, well, and they're all front wheel drive. All the TCR correct, cars. Yeah. 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 But so, but the, you know, the the I guess the point I'm trying to make is both of those classes have exploded, and I think those are the the future of GT racing and of touring car racing mm-hmm. for the coming. I mean, the first the foreseeable future. Oh, for sure. Um, because of of how approachable the cars are to drive, like mm-hmm. you've mentioned, mm-hmm. um, how relatively affordable in the grand scheme of what racing costs uh, they are to run, mm-hmm. um, and and you know they've got this um, critical mass forming. At this point where there's you know 30 40 cars being entered tcr is growing at a big rate i mean there's yeah. going to be a bunch more cars in imsa next year and and yeah my prediction i, I don't have any um, crystal ball or any inside knowledge but my prediction is that the sprint x format uh, will will stick around um, on the pearly world sound world challenge side of things and you'll mm-hmm. see even more gt4 cars even more tcr cars i i wouldn't be surprised if you saw a tcr sprint x um being integrated in, into that format just because it's it's such a popular i mean it's you know, one hour races pit stop you can change drivers if you want to so you can share with a pro which mm-hmm. a lot of people do or mm-hmm. you don't have to you can you can drive by yourself if you've got the funding or you know if you're a, a pro who's got the funding or if, if you're a gentleman who wants to do the whole weekend yourself and not give up any track time mm-hmm. um, the, the format's been really popular so my my background has been mostly in in endurance racing I mm-hmm. think as you know but um, this is the first time I've spent um, in, in sprint X uh, and I've watched it from the outside for the past couple of years kind of you know it didn't it didn't have a whole lot of buy-in initially no it didn't i don't think a whole lot of people know that you know up until i think it was maybe january or february even of this year Mm -hmm. world challenge hadn't really been clear that there was going to be a gt4 uh they call it gts um 
sprint x calendar at all mm-hmm. and behind the scenes you know there was a lot of teams going hey we want to do this we have cars we want to enter we want to run sprint x and so it, you know not everybody loves the format there are some people out there in the the twitterverse who have uh have their own opinions about you know sprint x oh, versus oh, that's sprint sure. racing yes and, and you know it's, it's maybe it's not the perfect format every time um but I, just looking at just look at the entry list i mean the entries don't the, lie you know that that's the thing and you know if if i had if i had the uh if i had the budget it's a great way to uh to go racing uh, you know very competitive driving at great venues lots of competition you know it's 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 kind of everything you want it to be yeah absolutely so so what's up next on your GT4 versus road car uh, expose, if you will. Uh, so I'm uh, probably by the time. Oh, and, and what? Sorry, let me, okay. let me interrupt. Yeah. Uh, what is the the, the finished um, product going to be? Is it a video comparison between the M4 GT4 and the street car you've got now? Um, or is yeah. it an article? It's, I mean, a, it's the, a, actually a series. Okay. So each each uh, each a series of videos, uh, v- videos and editorial. Oh, God. and okay. it'll actually run on, on multiple outlets. So my main Canadian outlet will get the exclusive for Canada, and um, there's still a couple of U.S. outlets that apparently want the the stories. But I haven't pitched it to any of my international outlets yet, and I wouldn't be surprised if they take it as well. So um, I, I'd like to get six done by the end of the the race season. But I'm what I'm what I'm relying on is the the kindness of racing teams to uh, sure. allow me a, a little bit of seat time and uh and you know uh so thank- w- when you say pitch i, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt but i, I guess th- this is, could be an interesting thing to talk about that sure. goes back to your your business and how you know how you operate um mm-hmm. and maybe give some insight to people who don't don't fully understand that you know you go about these um, ideas and these projects you know you just talked about pitching it to yeah. international media this yeah. is Something that you put together. Yeah, it's it's something that I put together completely, and and I'm so you I'm, reach out, you mm-hmm. you find the car, you yep. find the team. I do everything you, you, on my own. I mean, are you you're funding it up front to oh yeah to I'm, get I'm these done, covering then, my own costs, yeah, um, and then I, selling the content after it's been made. That's correct. Um, so I'm I'm in a unique position because I've I've been in the automotive media space for a while and and have a you know. A, a reputation, good or bad. Um, <laughs> good and, or bad, you have one. <laughs> yes, good or bad, I do have one. And uh, so, what what that allows me is is the opportunities to bring in. You know, obviously, I'm I I know uh, I, and I have lots of great relationships in in motorsport, but also in the production car world. So, in this case, the BMW didn't have uh, an 18 version of the M4. That I had, uh, that I would need access to, at the time I drove the M4 GT4. So this is a little bit convoluted, and then I'm driving the road car and and you know telling the rest of that story completely separately. It will appear totally differently in terms of the finished video. Sure, but um, this is the only case where I think I'm I'm driving the the road car and the race car two separate times. Now, having having written about cars and produced videos about cars for a long time, I better be able to pull this off. If I can't pull this off, you know whatever was four weeks apart or five weeks apart if i can't do that i probably should quit but um i've got faith in you okay thanks uh but uh, you know being able to tell that story and and i mean there are so many cool things about that m4 gt4 that i you know that i think an enthusiast audience wants to understand but isn't because they they just don't get it because they haven't been exposed to it but that car is so cool there's so many great details to that car that i have to tell the story 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I haven't experienced the other GT4s or any of the TCRs yet, but I will at, at some point. And, you know, I'll probably uncover some really cool things about those as well. Um, but, you know, it also it also allows me to, you know, drive the road cars that I enjoy as well. So, you know, rocking a, a new M4 in Southern California yeah. for a few days. Yeah, and it, it doesn't it suck. does not suck, although it's Austin yellow, so I, I'm not anonymous in that thing. Yeah, yeah, not not the greatest color choice, but, uh, you know, I, I understand you're working with what you're given. Great, great for photos and great for videos. Yeah, Thank, sure. Thankfully, okay, it's not white, enough. black, fair or enough. gray, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't want any of those. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the so the, the next, um, so as far as this road car versus race car thing, it'll be a series of uh, videos and editorials that will run on various outlets. Uh, and the, for, you know, for anyone listening, it'll primarily run on our YouTube channel that'll where it'll be obvious, and we'll obviously tell the tell the world about it through social channels as well yeah and that's that's a youtube channel brian muksha <laughs> yeah exactly without the so, accent on the s but, but so it, back to what i started with pronouncing yeah. your name the right way yeah. brian m-a-k-s-e to yeah. find yeah. find all this content on, we're talking that's about. all my social it's super easy to find me and uh in fact i own i own m-a-k-s-e.com uh, strictly to ha- have a vanity email address on my business card. That's the only reason it exists. The the website is it looks Great horrible. Great reason. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and um, you know I I love being able to hand out my business card with you know my email being my first name at my last name dot com, keeping it super simple. That's that's good branding. Yeah. So you're not you're not so bad at this after uh, all. I, I don't think I'm that stupid. I'm not that smart, <laughs> but I'm not that stupid. So. Well, you were smart enough to get the 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 URL before anybody else. Oh yeah, could I've, think I've had it for a dozen years yeah, easily, I if figured, not more. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I've been URL hunting for, I've actually been negotiating with the people who own one track mind.com. So if there's mm-hmm. anybody else listening who may own a business or a, a company that is called one track mind, um, I, don't listen to this part earmuffs, please. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been funny trying to go back and forth with, um, with the people who own the URL one track mind.com. Right. And I've gone back and looked through, you, you can look through kind of the, the history. Um, there's a website I can't recall off the top of my head, but you can see what, um, what has been on that webpage at any date yep. in time. Yep. Um, and so, you know, they basically said, Oh, we, we've owned this website for such and such years. And it's got, you know, if you want to check the history on it, you know, uh, go for it. And I, so I went back and looked, you know, this URL basically squatting company Yes, of course. has owned it for like, like you said, about a dozen years. Right. And they've been trying to sell it the whole time. Mm-hmm. They've never done anything with it. There's mm-hmm. never been a business or a company that's owned it or done anything yep. with it. There's no real value. There's no organic traffic going to it already, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're asking just crazy money. Um, so I've actually slowly over the past six months been whittling them down because okay. I've had, I've been working on this, this podcast project. I've had the name for a while. Yeah. So I, I kind of ignore them for uh, about a month and then mm-hmm. I, you know, they'll reach out. Oh, hey, you're still interested. And I'm like, well, is the price still the same? Uh, uh, yeah, or yeah. or maybe we could bump it down a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's uh, the branding yourself correctly and early. That that's my advice. Oh yeah, well that's my and, advice too. Yeah. I mean, we learned that lesson. We you know we should have called the YouTube channel something else, yeah. uh, like what Matt Farah did with the smoking tire. That was so easy, yeah. and uh, that was a smart thing. But we didn't, you know, at the start we didn't have that vision. And uh, we just started producing content that we enjoyed producing, and, and that's what that's but, what it came down to. But look, and, and the lesson there is, hey, you're you're doing this. You're you started producing content, and mm-hmm. you just started putting it out there. I mean, that should I think kind of be the the other lesson is is just do it, just get out that, there you know, and that's, do it. That's the other thing, you know. Of course, I, you know, I'm a lightning rod for 
you know, these kind of questions, you know, I'm thinking about doing YouTube and, you know, what equipment do I need or what do I need to do? It's like, just forget everything else. Just like, take your phone, just make videos. Like who cares? You can edit them on your phone. You can shoot them, edit them on your phone, upload them from your phone. You don't need anything else at least to get started. I I think a lot of times people fall into the trap of seeing what else is out there and going, you know, I, 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 love what such and such a brand is doing or i like mm-hmm. what this guy the content this guy's putting out mm-hmm. i could do that or i want to be like that and people get this you know uh, they get frozen in you know not having the right gear and you know they're i guess the way i look at it is their their taste is much higher than what their their ability level is and so they oh for sure you know they don't want to put out crap mm-hmm. But you know that keeps them from ever doing anything. That that's right. And I mean, you know. But the only way to do it is to learn. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I mean the, the only way to, to learn to, is to, to learn, do it. Is rather. to do it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the three of us are all self-taught in this space. I mean, Nick had some fundamental knowledge of, of photography, but I mean, we had no idea how to shoot video, um, let alone how to you know shot list it, script yeah. it, edit it. Um, deal with sound. I mean, we learned all of this entirely on our own. Did you outsource any of it to begin with, or just kind of? Dug in, get your hands dirty we, and we, figure we it out. We jumped in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, awesome. good or bad. And, you know, uh, every month uh, Adobe takes their uh, their money. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, um, it, it's, you know, for us, it's the, it's the best way to go. Um, but it, uh, you know, it's it's been an, it's always, you know, just as I enjoy teaching performance driving and, and, and race driving and all that stuff. Um, I enjoy learning and, and, you know, learning how to edit video and learning how to structure this, learning how to script something yeah. has been an, an amazing process. And it's, you know, to me, it's always great learning something new. And I, now I'm looking for, you know, what's, what's the next, what's the next challenge? Yeah, and, I, and, I relate to that big time, mm-hmm. the, the constant pursuit of, of learning something new and, and trying something new and getting yeah. yourself a little bit outside your, your comfort zone, but knowing mm-hmm. that, that you, you know, having confidence in yourself that you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, we're still doing it, um, because we enjoy it and, uh, you know, we, we love driving these cars, so yeah. I can't, I can't complain about it, but the, the, you know, the race cars, uh, back to the, the road car versus race car thing. Um, it's been a, just an idea that's been sitting in the back of my mind for a while. And, you know, the GT threes had existed for a long, long time. Uh, but then, you know, that was this explosion of GT fours and GT and in TCRs. So, you know, why not tell that story? And, yeah. um, you know, for the, for the most part, after, you know, driving a couple of them, if there's some teams that I don't know and want access to, at least I'll have a, a decent introduction um, to, you know, another team that may grant me access to their car for a session or two on a test day. And, you know, that's all I'm really looking for. Copy that. Uh, but uh, yeah, as um, so, race, race teams, team yeah. owners, car owners, if you're listening, yeah, Brian Max <clears throat> wants to drive your car. Yes, I do want to drive your race car, and I can <laughs> deliver tens, tens of views tens on YouTube. Of views. <laughs> John Miller also wants to drive your race car. I can deliver uh, under ten listens on a podcast. Uh, you probably deliver wins faster than I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that uh, that'll be the case at, at Lime Rock this weekend. That's, yeah, that's well, always the goal. I, I see there's there's a nice first place trophy already for this year. Yeah, uh, here in your office, so that's yeah. all right. Uh, you know, like then that that's all credit to uh, to the, the whole team, the organization that, that put it together, and I'm uh, you know, I'm a, a very small piece of that, and, and very happy to to kind of slot into the the opportunity that that I've been given. And uh, you know, ST Racing preps a really good car, and and yeah. I guess that's where I can. I spent a couple minutes talking about, you know, people think GT4 car, they're all the same. Um, you know, there's still, there's still a lot that, that we do as a team, um, 
to find, to eke out that advantage. You know, we do a lot oh, yeah. of, we do a lot of setup work. We spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on data. Um, you know, we, we test, we go and, and practice mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, you're, we're here in my, my office at home. I mean, my, my simulator is, uh, sitting right behind you. And yeah. I was, before you got here, I was blasting laps around Lime Rock all morning. Um, just getting myself in, in the, the mind space for, for the race weekend. Um, and so there's, there's lots of, of little things that, that we do, um, you know, that to prep us for as com- to be as competitive as we can, uh, on the racetrack. And, you know, my, my co-driver, uh, Aurora Strauss has done a fantastic job as well coming up to speed this year. It's her first year driving something, um, this fast. Yeah. I mean, she started in, in MX fives mm-hmm. and Miatas, which is, you know, I think a great place for anybody to start learning how to drive, drive quickly, drive you know, on a racetrack, a oh, momentum yeah. based race car. Yeah. Uh, and then the last couple of years in, in uh, continental tire ST, and now mm-hmm. she's jumped up to, uh, to the GT four car and, and is really doing a, a fantastic job. And so, yeah. you know, that's another big part of it is the, the interaction and the, the relationship you have with your co-driver. Um, and, and so she and I have, have gotten to work together a couple of times now we've tested, we've raced once together and, and had really uh, a great result. Um, that first weekend and, and yeah. as it stands, you know, Aurora is leading the, uh, the championship in, in GTSA right now. Oh, that's uh, great. Sprint X, so that's great. You know, the, the goal, you know, she and I did not drive together at the first race at mm-hmm. Coda, so I don't, I don't have points from that race, but, mm-hmm. uh, the goal is to, to continue, uh, to push and, and get, you know, to, to have me to help, uh, Aurora win the championship and win races and, and keep ST racing on top of the podium. And, yeah. um, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to, to make that happen. Oh yeah, um, yeah, no question. I, you know, I don't think anybody outside of racing really understands what, what goes on. And, and as well, um, speaking about culture, I think S the, 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 the whole ST racing team is, is pretty fantastic. I've been involved with other race teams where it's just, it's a place where I don't want to be. And ST racing is, a, is, a, is one of those just open, welcoming yeah, they're environments. Can, they're Canadians. Where, yeah. Well, that, you know, that helps, right? <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Uh, there's some, you know, some Canadians involved, but you know, it, um, I'm sure you've been involved with, with, uh, with, with different situations where it's just a place you don't want to be. Uh, yeah. and, and it doesn't always start out that way. No, and, and of course and it, it never it, it does really. It doesn't, but, but you know, I've, I've, I've yeah. seen it firsthand and I'm not going to name teams, but man, there, there are places where I've been in the last few years. I just didn't want to be. Yeah. Um, you want to tell any of those stories without naming teams <laughs> <laughs> or would, would, would people be able to figure it out? Uh, yeah, they'd be able to figure it out. You want to yeah. tell the stories anyway or no? No. Okay, had no. to try. Had to try. No. All I'm gonna all I'm gonna say, uh, and and maybe this is a segue to uh, the project that I'm working on. But there's a certain pro driver that I worked with a few years ago, um, who should be in the book that will not be. Oh. Mm-hmm. So if you dig deep in my social, you'll be able to figure it out after the book is published. But there's a certain pro driver that I worked with that uh, is just not a nice person copy that yeah interesting so so the the book the, let's talk about that because we haven't really broached that subject yet. Yeah. What, what is this book you're working on i, I know what it is but you, but, you uh, know you know what it is so talk about it my my only request for this thing or, or for maybe version two is you got to save me a, a blank page for for myself or, or <laughs> uh, probably for yourself too well you know it's and you know that's the thing so where where all this came from is even for me as as a, as a, a successful club racer the Daytona 24 has always been the, the 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 pinnacle of sports car racing because if you win that thing you leave with a trophy that you can never buy which is the Rolex Daytona and you know I make fun of my friends who have Daytonas all the time 
I call them out because yeah. you know generally all my friends are involved somehow in cars, but I'm happy to call them out because they're wearing Daytonas that you know are not inscribed. That they on didn't the back. earn, yeah. Yes. On the other hand, um, you know, uh, you know, I've been teaching performance driving and and all that stuff over many many years, and of course, I've worked with a number of people who have one Daytona, and that's where it started. I was always curious about the story behind the watch, and I'm not a huge watch guy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still learning about watches. My, my watch knowledge is 1% of what my car knowledge might be. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and also I don't think I'd ever buy a Daytona. Um, it's just, it's, you know, I like a simpler kind of watch. I don't really like chronographs, but I would rock. Yeah. Uh, the one that says winner one, on the back. One that says winner on the back every single day. There's no question. Yes, sir. So, you know, I'd started talking to my friends um, about, you know, the story behind the watch. You know, I, we can talk about the race all day long. And, you know, as racing drivers, we can talk about that. No yeah. problem. But, you know, I'd never heard stories behind the watch and started collecting, just not, not really collecting, but asking those questions uh, maybe two, three years ago. And then got a little serious last year and figured, ah, I, you know, I could write a couple of stories and pitch it to some, you know, more lifestyle-oriented publications, whether it's, you know, automotive or, or lifestyle or a watch uh, type of publication. And then uh, after speaking to about 20 drivers, we got to a critical mass. And I'm sitting at my desk and I'm struggling with this going, like, this shouldn't be in a magazine. This is not a digital play. Like, what? what is this? And, um, you know, of course, look at my bookshelf. It's like, ah, crap, this has got to be a book. And uh, we got we got very serious about it um, uh, towards the end of last year. And at this point, I've interviewed, I think, 104, 105 Daytona winners. Oh, wow. And uh, lots of amazing stories because the, 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 the focus of the book is, you know, from our perspective, the Rolex 24 at Daytona is about the watch. Yeah. I mean, and look, I, when I, in the early part of my professional driving career, I refused to wear any watch. I mean, I was like mm -hmm. superstitious because I was like the only watch I ever mm -hmm. want to wear is mm -hmm. the one I want to win at, at Daytona. And yeah. I've since kind of gotten over myself <laughs> um, because I, 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 I appreciate that. I, I like you. I mean, I, I still uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm still, you know, I've, I've raced the race one time yep. in 2012. And, and yep. it, for me, it, you know, I knew that that year that it was a huge milestone in my driving career just to get to, just to be there, to, to be there and to yeah. be involved in that race. Yeah. Um, and, and I knew going in, it wasn't a, it wasn't a winning effort, but it was, you know, we wanted to go finish the race and we right. did. Yeah which a lot of people never do. Um, oh, that that's for sure. And, and so it was, a yeah, you know, I, and I've since this was 2012, so it was the 50th anniversary of the race. Yep. Um, and I've been back and I, I've done the continental race, you know, probably a dozen times, um, mm -hmm. and, and finished pretty well there. But you know, for me, I, I spent 10 years in Orlando, Florida. I went to college there. I grew up in South Florida. Yeah, so da Daytona, from Daytona was effectively my home track yeah. for, for a big, big chunk of my life and a big chunk of my early driving career. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's a place where I actually got hurt pretty badly in a race car. Did you really? Um, early on, yeah, I, I was, so this was 2005. Uh, I was racing uh, Skip Barber, uh -huh. uh, Formula Dodge, you know, yep. very early on. I started racing. I did my first school in 2002, I think. And mm -hmm. then in o, late 03, did a, my first Skip Barber race and then mm -hmm. started racing in 04. And then early 05, um, I was racing there. You know, Ricky and Jordan Taylor, 
were, were racing the series at that time. No Al- kidding. Alexander Rossi, John Edwards. Come on. Um, you know, Mark Andretti was coming through around the same right. time. Yep. Um, Connor Daly. I mean, a lot, a lot of these kids who I didn't, didn't know who the hell they were at the time. I mean, I, I was really nice. Like I said, I didn't come from a racing or a car background. I, I found it kind of in high school yeah. and, and dove in kind of, you know, flailing around trying to figure it out as I went. Right. And, uh, and so I, I got hurt pretty badly in a qualifying crash, mm. um, at the bus stop in Daytona. Oh no. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I don't know, don't know what happened. I mean, I have no memory. I had a, a major concussion. Um, wow. I'd shattered my left leg, uh, no from, from the knee down kind of. Uh, tibia fibula were destroyed. I've still got metal in my leg from the, the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, Daytona has always been kind of a, um, a place that, that means a lot to me because I've, I've done really well there. I've had, you know, a couple of years ago I was leading the continental tire race, mm-hmm. um, on the last lap and ran out of fuel. Right. And it's been, Daytona has been kind of cruel to me well. over the years. So that, that's always been the race, sure. the, the, the prize. Sure. For me, so I, I find you know this. I, I can't wait to read the book the, and, and the hear the story. The stories are just, I mean, and and the, you know the drivers who you think are going to have the most, you know, because you got a perception of whether you know they're they're drivers I've known over the years or just seen on television. You have a perception of of what their personality may be, or you have an expectation. And some of the stories I've received from, uh, you know, greatly. Uh, appreciative of, of having those stories told to me by some drivers who I thought would tell the most boring tales and or have nothing to say, have told me the most amazing things about their experiences at Daytona and um, what they've done with their watches. Like what? Give us a little preview here. Oh, I mean, don't, don't don't give away the. No, uh, I don't want to get. You know, there, there's there's a, away, there's a there's a there's you know. There's, I just want to know. I mean, I, yeah. I can I can bleep it all out, but I just want you to tell me the story. This one you got to bleep out. Okay. So, oh. so sorry, right. Uh, right. well, audience. You're gonna have to wait for the book. Um, I will edit this part out, but then then you got to give us one we can leave in. Yes. All right. The I think the 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 most interesting one. Yeah. That, so that right. that wow. that I'm saving for the book. That's one of the one of the most amazing stories. Yeah. That's that's incredible. All right. Uh, so we'll, like we we fast forwarded. We're gonna bleep all that out, or, yeah. or I'll chop it up. But that's unreal. And if mm-hmm. you're listening to the podcast sorry you don't get to hear that part of it now but uh you got to pick up the book and it's, that that's one of the craziest is, it's, things it's, yeah it's one of the, it's one of those stories that i was not expecting at all and i think my jaw hit the floor when yeah. when i uncovered that and you know i just had to you know had to had to work on that story so there you know there's a number of themes that have emerged uh in um it, it throughout throughout the book across many drivers so uh, a lot of drivers have uh given their watches away um, most of them to their fathers because their their uh, their fathers have supported them in uh, in their career in in, in motorsport and whatever that is, um, and and that's uh, you know it's it's it a lot of that is really heartwarming and and um, uh, you know there, there's there's other stories. Um, should I should I tell this one or not? Um, I, see you're, I see you're struggling here. I'm struggling I, with this one because because uh, I know you don't want to give away I, no, it, too it's, much here. No, it's, it's, it's going to be. It's a, not that. It's I was not expecting to ever have a racing driver cry on the other end of the phone. Oh wow! And um, so th- this this is okay because it's not a it's not a it's not a, a huge thing. But um, obviously earlier this year, Dan Gurney passed away, yeah. and one of the people I needed to speak with was Mark Dismore, who won with Dan Gurney. And as it turned out, and I, you know, I, I, 
you know, I've done all the research and I should have known um, through his career that it was Gurney who gave him all the breaks. And mm. he told me some amazing stories about working with Dan Gurney. And uh, through that, um, I, you know, there's no question he was in, he was in tears yeah. and that's not, you know, that wasn't my intention at all, but I think it was, you know, it was, it was Mark going, you know, uh, just thinking about all that stuff and, and revisiting all that stuff. And, and, uh, Dan Gurney passed away, um, a couple months prior to that conversation. And yeah, I think it all, it all came, that. yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's why I left the, the, uh, the the Dan Gurney related um, interviews until a little bit later, and um, yeah, he uh, you, you you could tell it was uh, it was a little bit overwhelming for him. Wow, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, on on the other hand, there's you know there's lots of amazing heartwarming stories uh, as well. Lots of interesting stories. One of my pals from Canada, for example, was physically working on the car during the race that he won. That's awesome. So, you know, there's just, awesome. yeah. just wild, wild stuff. Um, uh, what, you know, when does the book come out? Uh, is it, I mean, is it in the kind of the post processing? We're, we're, we're just wrapping up a little bit of photography. So, um, I'm working with, with a number of photographers in, in different areas, but primarily, uh, Jamie price oh, is, yeah. uh, is, uh, shooting a lot of stuff. So some of that stuff we've, te- we've teased on our social a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and he's also been tremendously helpful because he's, he's got, a, um, he's got, uh, different relationships than I do in, in motorsport. So he just sends somebody a text and say, Hey, yeah, can you bring yeah, your bring Daytona to the yeah. race? <laughs> and they do. And you know, I've already interviewed some of these drivers and I know they don't wear them. Uh, yeah. but they'll, for Jamie, they'll, they'll bring their watches to a race. So we've got some amazing photography. I'm working with a couple of Canadian photographers as well. And then digging into the archives, but I'm into the last, I'd have to check my list, but 15 or 18 interviews. Um, so the, the tough ones I know, um, right now I'm trying to reach, I'm trying to reach Boris said, and I know where to track him down, but he's yeah. not returning my calls. He's like just south of here. I know exactly where he is. <laughs> and I keep yeah. calling him every day. I'm like, dude, I'm in town. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason, uh, you show up at his dealership and say, uh, you want to buy a car, but you're only gonna, gonna buy it from the owner. I'm going to, no, I'm going to show up in the Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far from here. <laughs> I'm gonna just rock. Exactly. Who's going to show up in Marietta with a. Performante Lamborghini. Uh, you are. Yeah, I might. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Boris, you know the guy's calling you from Canada? That's me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I heard through um, Bill Oberlin, he's got a great story that's related to... Oh, Bill told you that Boris has a Bill, great story? Uh, Bill told me the story secondhand. Ah, uh, so you need to get so it from I the, the horse's mouth. I need to get yeah. it from him. Um, so there's, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of that chasing different uh, angles, but my, my two big challenges right now are Dario and Mario. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, Dario, because he's, you know, you know, global superstar and Mario just because he's Mario. But, right. um, what, uh, for, for the, the casual, um, fan of, of the Rolex 24, though, the one thing to understand, well, first of all, I have more knowledge than Rolex does about when watches are worn and how. I was going to say, you, you must have unearthed, like, you must be I'm, the only one who's ever I'm done the this only, kind I'm of the research. only one who's done this level of research. Yeah. Um, so I've got, I've got way more knowledge so than... So I'm curious, that, yeah. I mean, the... I don't, I'll read the book and find out, but I'll yeah. ask you now anyway, since you're mm-hmm. sitting in front of me. I mean, sure. The, this has the style of watch changed, yeah. the, the model, I mean, the, yeah. you know, it's it, like, there's the stainless, there's mm-hmm. the gold, I mean, I... Does it, who makes the decision on what watch 
get, gets given out? Do they give different watches? I mean, I've got so many questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the overall winners get a different watch than know. like the GT winners. I want to yeah. know. So one, so one, <laughs> okay, let, let me break it down a little bit. Um, Rolex got involved in the early nineties officially as the sponsor. That's when it became the Rolex 24 prior to that. It seems to the best of my research, and I'm waiting to get to, to, to a definitive answer. I'm not quite there yet, but to the best of my research, Bill France was awarding watches when he was flush with cash. Just because? There are some years where he, there, no watches were awarded. But there, were, there was no official Rolex tie-up. He was just awarding that, Rolexes. That's correct. So, for example, here's a, here's a great example. And this, is, this is very public knowledge. So, uh, Vic Elford... Uh, won in 1968 overall. Um, and that's a great story on its own. And Vic is amazing. Uh, can, amazing can to can imagine, speak to. Yeah. Oh, and, and we've had two conversations. Uh, and I'm, I'm just like, I, I, you have to remember that, you know, I have a job to do and I'm not a fan um, to, to get through the interview. But um, he, was, he was awarded a watch by Bill France. And um, that was back in 1968. And I know through the years that didn't always happen. Yeah, early on in the in the process, when I was digging that far back, Rolex told me that yeah, they gave away watches from the beginning. I quickly learned that that was not true, um, because I went up to uh, to Bobby Rahal at uh, the Roar and I said, "Hey, Mr. Rahal, um, love to talk to you about your your win at Daytona here." And and uh, da, 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 and then I'm like, "Okay, first I have to know, were you uh, did you receive a Rolex Daytona?" Like, Hell no. We got no watches. That was in 1981. So, so in 81, they didn't award watches. In other years, they didn't. But Mario did in 75, I think, when he won. Hmm. So it's it's a bit spotty. And then um, officially, it started with and and Hurley's got a, Hurley's got a great story because uh, he won so many times. Yeah. But in in 91, um, that was his that was his last win. And um, again, it'll be in in uh, in the book. But the, uh, the the head of Rolex USA at the time awarded him a unique watch to him, whereas his teammates received a regular boring Daytona. He got something very specific. And of course, th- those photos I think some of those photos are on our, our uh, my social and maybe Jamie's. But you know, Hurley had no problem taking off the watch, handing it to me. And I'm, based on what I know about these watches i have a good idea what the value of that thing is and i'm like i don't want to yeah, handle this yeah, don't give that to me yeah i mean i you know oh, either wow. either i don't want to drop it and like be mortified and you know <laughs> right or i'd be tempted to run away with it and, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's uh, and, and i can't it, wait to hear the, the, the stories behind that I mean, yeah that's there, there's there's so many cool stories and they they are so they're so different um, and you know, there's, there's, there's a handful of drivers that are just hardcore about wearing theirs every single day. I feel like that would be me. Me too. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. And I mean, you know, in, in the world of, of probability, you've got a greater probability of, of, of winning Daytona than I do. Uh, I figured I've, I've probably got another maybe dozen years, um, before I have to give up that idea. I can get in for a stint. Um, I figure in the next dozen years, and if I'm on a part of a winning program, that's great. But um, sure. you got a, you got a much longer career and a much much uh, you know I have to I have to bring the dough, uh, whereas you're in a, in a slightly different situation as a professional racing driver. Yeah, but the 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 motivation is the same, and the watch the, and, and well, the watch the, is the, the same. I think yeah. you know I think um, I think I would argue that the the motivation is perhaps even greater for me because you, I mean if as a professional you have to perform. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm bringing a check and I screw up 
it's not i think it's that's that's an easier <laughs> that's an easier out than being a professional and screwing up um fair enough yeah that that would be my argument but you know i think i think we're both like minded in that the 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 rolex daytona is the ultimate prize and and one from daytona specifically yeah they they award them to overall winners at le mans as well right but it's, they're not awarding a Rolex Le Mans. They're awarding a Rolex Daytona, which was named after the sports car race. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, to me, that's, you know, that's the yeah. ultimate prize in sports car racing. And that's what I've dedicated way too much of my life yeah. to, you know, thinking about doing, you know, never mind the financial side of things. Um, yeah. I, I know one Canadian driver. I'm just, this story's coming to me now. We uh-huh. were, you, I mean, you probably interviewed him as well because he's won it a couple of times. But uh-huh. um, <laughs> just a uh, the memory of, of him wearing both of his watches on one on one and one on the other. Yes. We were in a bar after a race and yeah. I, he all, I he usually wears one of them. Yes. I remember seeing him like talking to some girl wearing both of them. <laughs> I'm thinking, I know exactly who that is. I mean, yeah, I would yeah. do that too. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no question. No question. One of the, um, funny enough, I, 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 uh, I was, uh, on one of the Rolex forums clarifying some information because a recent discussion can, had come up about the Daytonas at Daytona. And uh, I was clarifying something and uh, Michael Schramm, who'd won twice, uh, reached out to me through the, uh, the forum and he has uh, great stories. But one of the coolest photos I've seen is him wearing his Daytona that he won the year previous, comparing it to the Daytona that he just won. <laughs> You like know, wearing last year's on the podium, he, he, and he's he like, finished the race. He drove that weekend wearing his Rolex. He finished the race. He crossed the finish line in the car that won the race, wearing his wearing his watch, watch from, from the year, year before. And there's a great photo that he sent me of him with his winning watch on his wrist and the watch he just won in the box, and he's comparing the two. That doesn't suck. Does not does not wow. suck. And he's he's a neat character too. But you know. It, I think there's a lot of, um, the, the, you know, I think perhaps because I associate with it as, as um, someone who would qualify to be a gentleman driver if I could afford to be, um, there, there's, there's a lot of romanticism about this. And what I find is with gentleman drivers, they've got really interesting stories when they've, they've actually won Daytona. It, it is it is it is just super cool but so you've talking to you've talked to a lot of those people as well then yeah absolutely oh, great absolutely um and you know there's there's a lot of those iconic years where you know uh, um um uh, you know a gt category car had one overall um versus you know prototypes which should have won based right. on pace but for whatever sure, reason yeah, didn't. Yeah. um so there, there's there's a couple of those great stories as well the the the, the david versus goliath yeah i can imagine um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been an interesting process, but we're we're close to being done, thankfully. Awesome. The the end is near. So the the uh, volume uh, the main ed- edition will be out uh, for holiday this year for sure. Oh, awesome! And we're gonna can do. You, can is it available for pre order anywhere? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, that'll well, that'll be coming probably in the next month or two and we'll get that all set up it's all set up ready to go in the yeah. in the in the, in the background well, well i'll be able to get it on amazon right yeah absolutely okay. it'll be everywhere all right. it'll be literally everywhere okay. everywhere motorsport and watch books are sold yeah fantastic um and we're doing a uh a very i can't talk about it just yet but we're doing a very special limited edition book that is going to be the coolest thing uh-huh yeah okay yeah yeah, when we're ready to talk about that, we will. But it's going to be it just like winning uh, a 
Daytona at the Rolex 24 is something you can't buy, you're going to get something you can't buy in uh, in the limited edition uh, version of the book. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I won't even ask you. I'm just going to like... Yeah. I'm just going to be patient. And, and, I think I'm going to be thinking about that when we when we announce it because you know it's 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 a wee project. You know I'm 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 yeah who are you, you know uh, so uh, so Jamie Price on the Jamie Price is is doing a lot of the primary photography. Uh, Patrice Marchessault is is a longtime racer uh, instructor driver coach uh, based in Quebec. He's doing um, a bunch of the photography as well, and uh, the designer is um, not well known in motorsport, but the companies he's associated with uh, in past and and present are all well known to everybody. Um, that's um, Lawrence Yap. And if you see Faf on any race cars, uh-huh. Lawrence is kind of creative director there, but he's more of a watch nerd than I am and has the same frustrations with watch and motorsport books in that they're not well designed. And he's a graphic designer by trade. Copy that. Yeah. So, so he, I have high expectations for this book then. Yeah. He's, he's doing the design. But as far as the limited edition goes, um, when, you know, when, when we announce that, you're going to be like, this is the coolest thing. Like everybody's gonna be like, this is the coolest thing. Um, so awesome. yeah, yeah right. we'll, uh, we're, we're, we're getting very close nice. to being able to announce that, but it's, um, All right, you don't have to tell me, but you have to tell my wife so she can make sure she gets on the list for the limited edition one uh, we'll, <laughs> for me we, for we, the holidays. We, hint, we, hint, hint, yeah. hint. <laughs> Denise, if you're listening, you better be listening. All right. Well, yeah, that, that, that cool. sounds just beyond cool. I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, I'm excited to see it and read it and, and flip through it. it yeah. This, and the stories are, uh, I just, I'm already the, like, my imagination's running wild with what must, what the, the, the conversations you must have had. Well, the conversations the, I've had have been amazing. And, and, you know, there are plenty of drivers that I've, I've interviewed in, in the last few months that I've only seen on television. So, you know, for example, Scott Dixon, that was, that was an amazing interview. That was before he won again in, in the GT this year, but he is a massive watch nerd and he had more questions for me about Scott Pruitt and his collection of Rolex Daytonas. And, you know, you yeah. got in this interview, you got Dixon nerding out about Pruitt's accomplishments and his, you know, I That's don't know, his cool. library yeah. of, of Rolex Daytonas. It's just been, it's been really, really cool. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited about that. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, for coming by and I'm now super excited for, uh, for this book and, uh, and that the, the product, I mean, I'm just like, like my, my mind is spinning like, Oh, right. I, 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 can I just do like a preview copy I can see? <laughs> uh, it's like, like, I, I think I, I really, I relate to you in that. Like I, I am a watch fan. I, right. my knowledge level is, is pretty low in the yeah. grand scheme of like being a watch nerd. I wouldn't even call myself a watch nerd. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I like vintage Seikos because I can afford them. Sure. And there's a jillion of them out there. They're great values. And they're, and they're, they're, they're you know, cool. They're cool. They're, yeah. they're, they're, there's lots of different kinds of designs. And so for me, I've got a small collection of, of vintage Seikos. And you know, I, my everyday watch is a, a modern Seiko. And, and But but you know, like we talked about, the, the Rolex 24, uh, the Rolex Daytona, the, the 24-hour watch, that one in specific, is that's that's the holy grail of watches um, for, for me personally. And the yeah, fact for, that for racing nerds like us, yeah. like it, that's, that's it. That's it. So that's, uh, that's totally right. I'm, I'm really uh, glad you stopped by to talk about, about the book and, and to um, get me and, and whoever else listens to this uh, excited about, about that. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure to post a link to the pre-order and, and everything when that's ready. Yeah. 
um, and, and all the other cool, interesting, fun stuff that, uh, that you've got going on and, yeah. and the, uh, the career of yeah. Brian Max, the yeah, I'm, I'm pretty content fortunate. creator. Yeah, yeah, man. So for somebody who loves cars, I'm super fortunate. I, I, I really can't complain. Awesome. Yeah, me neither. I, 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 what I would say is I can complain, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> no one would listen anyway, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome, it was fantastic. Dude. Thanks for coming.